Welcome to Africa as we know it, episode 7. I'm Gerald, and today I'm running the episode all by myself. Uh, I'll be my sidekick. He's working on a project this weekend, so he couldn't join us. You know, But I still wanted to put out this episode. It may not be as long as previous episodes that we've had, but I can show you that uh, you will enjoy it all the same. Um, a lot of interesting events taking place in Africa, and I'm here to uh, recap recap just a few for you. Um, we were absent last week. Uh, Abe was moving, uh, so he couldn't join us, and I couldn't I, I couldn't uh, record our episode. You know, but but I'm here this week, and. Uh, just stay tuned, listen listen on some very, very interesting things that I, I'm going to cover um, for you this week. So uh, without wasting any time, let's jump, let's jump right into it. Uh, the first thing I want us to talk about, or I want to talk about, is a controversy that's brewing over some recent statements made by the current president of Tanzania. So... This this is a this is a very interesting interesting case. So while giving a speech, the president, his name is uh, John Magufuli. Uh, he stated that girls that get pregnant and give birth should not be allowed to return to school. <laughs> Let me repeat the statement. He said, "Girls that get pregnant and give birth should not be allowed." to return to school you know so this statement has infuriated a whole lot of people in Tanzania and in Africa as a whole um, in 2002 there was a law that was passed in Tanzania that allowed for the expulsion of uh, pregnant schoolgirls, and the law stated that girls could be expelled and excluded from school for offenses against morality and wedlock. So as you, 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 you can probably guess, the president strongly supports um, this law. So I'm just going to read a few lines from his speech and, uh, and, <laughs> and, and you, can, you can see, unfortunately, how um, backward um, his thinking is on this issue. So this is what he said. He said that after calculating some math problems, he's talking about girls that um, get pregnant and return to school. He said, after they calculate some math problems, the student would ask the teacher in the classroom, let me go out and breastfeed my crying baby. That's ridiculous. And then he also said that I'm giving out free education for students who have really decided to go and study. And now you want me to educate parents? So, like I said before, you know, this has generated a lot of discussion and a lot of rights groups in Tanzania are very upset. You know, so there's been an online petition that has been started, which is calling for, um, the, first of all, the expulsion of that law. And they also want the president to uh, apologize you know, for that statement he made. So, my thoughts on this. First of all, when I read... You know, the whole the article, the story about this whole issue, it, it really, really, really infuriated me. You know, because as uh, some of you may know, uh, my mom 
um, who lives in Ghana right now for many years. She's been an advocate for advocate for the education of of the girl child, and I know she would be equally infuriated about these statements because what it does is it creates a stigma that these girls are worthless when they are fully capable of learning. You know, I, I the fact that you get pregnant, you have your kid has nothing to do with your level of intelligence and whether you can learn and whether you can succeed. You know, so for me, I feel that completely kicking out these girls from school, you what you're really doing is you're destroying, you know, any chance they have of being successful and contributing to your own society that you're trying to trying to build. You know, and then you punish the girls for a situation that you know, may or may not have been un, um, under their control. You know, there are certain many, many situations that lead, you know, to um, to girls getting pregnant while in high school. You know, so by kicking them out of school, punishing them for something that, like I said before, may or may not have been under their control, still is not fair and it's wrong. You know, and to me, it's it's a backward um, type of thinking really really backward old school you know type of thinking which really has no place anywhere and also very sexist you know if you uh, look at the examples that he stated oh this kid will be in, in class and she would have to take a break from her lessons and and uh and go breastfeed you know uh, th- these are like very um, sexist condescending statements which a president should not be sane. And it's unfortunate, you know, that a lot a lot of uh schoolgirls, you know, are going to be victims of, of, of this situation. I was just looking at some statistics um from the human rights um organization and, and, and one stat let me just pull it up real quick. One stat stated that at least um eight thousand Tanzanian girls drop out of school every year due to pregnancy so that that's that's a, a a big number a big number of of girls that are going to be punished and i mean and and what what use is it for them you know to um to be at home and not get an education you know it's 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 really unfortunate and i think what really needs to be addressed is is the root cause of the teenage pregnancies in Tanzania and then implement programs that address the complex factors that surround this issue. You know, punishing the girls is not a solution. You know, and uh, again, this is like some old way, old school way of thinking, very sexist, um, very backward. And I can just imagine what my mom will be saying right now. She'll probably be trying to get on a, a flight to Tanzania to to you know to talk or to talk to um you know the president or or join some of these these groups in their fight against against this situation you know so um i'm going to be following this issue but it really it really disturbed me because you know uh there's a lot of potential there's a lot of potential you know in in Tanzania and across Africa and i i can I, this is probably not the only country that has uh laws you know that 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 are similar to what's going on in in Tanzania and it's unfortunate you know because instead of 
trying to lift up everyone, be productive and ensure the success of your country, then you are you are basically putting the stigma against a whole whole um, group you know of young people in your society who could grow up and be your doctors, your engineers, your lawyers, and develop your country you know and because of some some sort of backward thinking they have to stay home and and then do what do what you know so um i'm i'm going to like i said i'm going to be following this issue and 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 uh, and do as much as i can you know to you know to to join <laughs> to join the fight you know because it's 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 ridiculous you know and uh and 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 this should not be allowed as a society that is trying to evolve and really take our place among nations or among continents you know we cannot uh treat a segment of our society you know that way instead of addressing the issues real issues that may be leading to this to this problem and then then that's that's unfortunate so so uh so more to come more to come on this on this issue. Whoa. Wow, I got uh, heated up. <laughs> this really got me uh <laughs> got me heated up, but uh it's it, it it's I think it's it's personal. It's personal for me because I know the the hard work. I can, I know the hard work these rights groups organizations do. I've seen my mom do it. I've seen her go to villages to talk to um elders, village elders in certain parts of of the country, you know, trying to encourage them to send their their girls to school. So when I think about the hard work that is being done, you know, by different groups, um uh, different stakeholders in in the society and to think that the person on top can make such statements that pretty much demoralizes uh anyone in that situation to me is unfortunate. So uh forgive my passion on this issue but I I can't help it it's just one of those things that I really care about so um uh more to come more to come on this issue so let me move on let me move on to another um uh, article that I came across about a week ago and and this article it it also touched me in a different way um I read it and it was um I had a bitter sweet um type feeling you know so so this is what it is so about a week ago a memorial was um was unveiled in london um honoring african and caribbean soldiers that pas- participated in in the two world wars um world war 1 and world war 2 so i mean as most of you may know um an estimated 2 million african and uh, caribbean soldiers f- fought in uh in both wars world wars they fought on behalf of of the british you know cuz then most of them were colonies you know of um of the british empire so you know and uh, fortunately or unfortunately um a lot of troops came from africa and the caribbean you know so um on one hand it's great that this memorial has been um erected for 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 these soldiers in memory of these soldiers but my my gripe you know with this situation is that it took 
way too long. We are in 2017. World War One ended when? 1919 maybe? World War Two ended in what? Like was it 45? 1945? Why are we just now unveiling a memorial for African and Caribbean soldiers in 2017? Most of them are dead. Most of them never even got a chance to experience being celebrated, being lifted up as heroes for participating in both world wars, for the liberation of Europe. And, and, and the interesting thing is, most of these troops, they came, they fought on behalf of, of uh, the British, but then when they went back home, they were still not free. They were still not free. They were still under the British Empire. You know, so it's it, so when they were alive, most of them in their prime, in their youthful, uh, with their youthful, youthful energies and everything, they were still under colonial rule. And then we wait this long to give them the honor. You know, better late than never, but I think it's a bit, it's a bit unfortunate that, that the remaining few, you know, mostly from World War Two, are in their nineties already. And I mean, it was great to read, um, in the article. I think a few of them showed up. Um, for, you know, for this uh, this honor, but at the same time, it's uh, it's too late, it's too late, and. You know, it's it's unfortunate how um, throughout history, you know, Africans, Caribbeans have been neglected, been put in the back. Sometimes they're just footnotes, you know, in books. Their contributions are not really celebrated. I remember um, growing up when I was still in Ghana, um, my driving, I was learning how to drive. I'd finished high school. I was learning how to drive and... Uh, my parents hired uh, this this man, you know, to help me. Great guy, older gentleman, and through our lessons, you know, this was like a month long, maybe two month um, long lesson, driving lesson. So we started uh, building a relationship. We started talking, and fascinating to find that he served in World War Two. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And I've always been a history buff, you know, from childhood. My mom, my dad, my brothers, my sister, they would tell you, I've always loved history. So when he mentioned that he served in World War II, immediately I wanted to know everything. I wanted to know everything about his service, what he did, how it worked, everything. And so my driving lesson lessons turned into a history lesson and I found out that he served in Burma he was part of the troops that served in the in the Burma theater um, of the war and of the war war effort and and he told me about his experiences and he still had the rifle that was issued to him 
um, those days in the 40s before they de- while they were deployed um, in um, in the in the Asia Pacific or in, in Burma and one day during our driving lesson we actually went to he was getting it he was getting it repaired it wasn't working so we actually drove to the gun shop where he was getting his rifle that was issued in the 40s it was getting fixed we went and we picked it up and it was such a, it was such an amazing experience he was a wonderful wonderful guy he since passed away but he was a wonderful 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 human being you know and he would have loved he would have loved to be at that ceremony where they are getting the honor and 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 being being um, celebrated and parade, paraded as as heroes of of World War 2 so it's my hope that like this will never happen again where we have to wait 70 years for such an honor to be bestowed on troops from Africa that have participated something in most cases they were forced they had to you know they had to to you know, to uh to go and fight in foreign lands fight for causes that that really had nothing to do with them but they had to go they had to go because there were colonies of the crown a lot of people died uh again i love statistics so of course i went and looked this up more than 165,000 troops from africa alone died in the conflicts that's both world war 1 and world war 2 165,000 you die for something that is not really in your core interest that's that that's that's mind boggling to me but they had no choice you know and uh they choose to honor them with you know with a memorial in 2017 that really shows how how important we were you know in their eyes you know but again better late than never you know but these are some of the things that you know unfortunately it never crossed my mind i never really thought because maybe maybe i just thought that it was a given i kind of just expected that there should be something somewhere celebrating you know the efforts of of the african and caribbean soldiers you know but realizing that you know maybe i was being a bit naive uh, and i was being naive to think that something was already out there and just last week the unveil um the memorial it really that's why i said it was bittersweet for me because in on one hand i'm 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 kind of i'm proud you know that the memories of of some of these troops are you know are being are being celebrated you know but on the other hand i think about the the discrimination that a lot of them have faced since they came back from the world war and how they are you know they are their british counterparts have probably been celebrated from the day they you know they 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 returned to their countries and then to think that just now in 2017 they are just getting the honor the honor um i think uh i think it just it, it just left a a funny taste in my mouth but um i really hope one day when i visit london i'll go to this memorial just to pay respects i think anyone um listening in london um i believe the memorial is in um it's in brixton so i encourage people in london anyone who is visiting london you know just take a few minutes and and, and go over to this memorial just to pay respects to um the troops that that did their 
did their bid. They 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 fought, they fought, um, in in these two two conflicts, and they may they 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 probably never really got you know their due. So they deserve our respect, and uh, and uh, uh, we you know we we continue to remember them, you know, um, every day. So now let's move on to a little something a little bit more upbeat, something more positive. Uh, I don't mean to uh, <laughs> bring you guys down today, but you know this is what's going on. This is what's going on. Just giving you, you, you guys the the scoop on on what I've been following, what I've been seeing. So um, let's move on to Malawi. So Malawi launched an innovative program. Something I think that's really innovative. It launched Africa's first air corridor. And they're going to use that to test the use of drones in humanitarian missions. So this is a partnership with the United Nations. And uh, basically, they're going to test drones and see how they can use them um, to, um, to scout areas, areas um, when there's a crisis situation. You know, so, you know, let's say there's a flood in some remote location, you know, and uh, or there's some conflict. Um, this this air corridor that you know they have launched will be used as a testing site to see how they could deploy drones, you know, in uh, in these types of situations, in, in crisis situations. Also, how they can use drones to uh, deliver supplies, and also, which I think will really, really, really do a lot of good, is to um, use drones. To boost internet connectivity, which to me I believe is key, you know. So I was doing some research, and uh, I came across um, another story which said Rwanda, the country of Rwanda. You know, we talked about Rwanda about two weeks ago, and we talked about the the developments they are making in the in the IT sector, you know, which is amazing. Rwanda is fast becoming a hub, you know, for IT infrastructure, IT. Um, technology and uh, you know just uh, the development of of apps and and a whole lot of cool stuff is taking place in Rwanda. So this article that I came across um, talked about how Rwanda had already launched a drone delivery service last year, and they've been using that to deliver medical supplies to some remote remote locations. So. To me, that's amazing, you know. And uh, people think about 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 drones and the best places to utilize them and where they could be of of um, of amazing help. And I think of many places in Africa, many remote locations, you know. So that's why I think this this uh, this program is really really important, you know, because you know you take um you take take any country in Africa and you. You think about some of the remote locations. Some of these locations are not even accessible, you know, by car or even by car. It takes days, you know, to just drive a few miles, you know. So I'm thinking about hospitals, hospitals, health centers in some of these remote locations. And I can see this technology being utilized to, you know, deliver medicine you know, to some medicines that will save lives. Like really, really critical 
critical uh, medicines that will really save lives. You know, so I, I, I really, I'm, I'm actually proud. I'm very proud um, of, uh, of what's going on um, in, in Malawi. And I hope um, the test will yield some very positive results and allow this technology to be used across Africa. You know, because, you know, uh, people hear drones and the first thing they think of is, is is um their their military application how you have they been used um in in conflict you know but here i see a positive a positive way that they can be used and they can be um implemented and and uh and they can save lives they can save lives there's so many so many uses you know, so you know, I I I will be following this test. Um, I think it's supposed to, the corridor will run for one to two years, uh, and and um, they're going to, to really just see how best they can use this technology, um, and and I'm I'm all for this. I'm all for this. So I really commend the government of Malawi for really thinking forward to me this is forward thinking this is you see a problem in your country you realize there's an issue and uh now you're trying to use creative ways to solve it yeah because they realize that some of the old ways of thinking and 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 and, and just think about it think about it how much money will it take to to construct a new road not to say roads are not important it's important your infrastructure, all that stuff. You know those are lifelines. You know they boost um, your your economy and all of that because you know um, goods and services are gonna travel back and forth of your roads. So roads are important. You know, but going back to that hospital um, example, you have a hospital that needs drugs. I feel the drug technology may actually be cheaper. You know, some of these countries are are strapped for cash. And while the idea of building a new road is a good one, that money may not be in the budget right now. But you have that remote hospital in that village that needs the medicine. But the medicine can't get there because the road is messed up. So what will I do? You know, I will use that drone to deliver the medicine from the capital city to the village just to ensure that people um, stay alive. So um, I think... You got to be, and that's what I, I feel Malawi is doing that and, and other countries are, are, are doing this also. You have to be realistic about your, your country's financial situation and about some of the problems. And th- it's not a solution. Drones are not a solution, but it's a short-term short um, uh, problem solver while you decide how you're going to build up your infrastructure. So I like that because it's necessary. We need to think like that. We need to be creative. So I commend Malawi for that. So um, so that's, let's see, I talked about Malawi. I've talked about Tanzania. Uh, uh, let's see. Lastly, I want to talk about an article that I read. Uh, this I read it this, this week. And it also, it, it touched me. It touched me. Because it's a story of of survival. It's a story about survival. It's about 
how you rebuild yourself like after facing multiple unfortunate situations and not many things move me you know I'm, i tend to be a very you know solid like individual like inside um i know how to comport my emotions and all of that stuff but this article moved me because you know i read it and you can see the challenges that this individual faced and how and not just one time two three four times you just keep getting hit and this individual had to um find ways you know to you know to uh to build themselves up and i'm talking about um a woman in Kenya her name is Terry Gobanga Terry Gobanga G O B A N G A and basically the story talks about first of all it starts off um talking about how it was her wedding day and she's getting ready for her wedding and uh and that's the, the, actually the morning of her wedding you know she decides to to go catch a taxi or or something she was doing something at the at the taxi station early in the morning she was returning home and then she was um approached by a group of of men and basically you know she unfortunately she was she was gang raped on the day of her wedding so she ends up in the hospital the wedding is going on and th- th- she's not at the church people are looking for her they don't know where she is this is a true story you know i wish i was making this stuff up but this was actually a true story uh so she's in the hospital finally they are able to locate her and now she's dealing with a whole bunch of issues she gets out <laughs> she gets out of the hospital 7 months later she decides to do the wedding again and then something happens so like i said it's a it's a deep story it's about discovering yourself your inner strength and i recommend that you when you get a chance just uh just read this article just google her name terry kobanga and she also has a book it's it's uh, crawling out of darkness i haven't read it i want to read it and there's a bright there's a bright um end you know it's um it doesn't it's not all gloom it's it's struggles it's real life that that that's really what i'm trying to say it's a real life story about ups and downs ups and downs that we all face that we all deal with you know but i wanted to i wanted to highlight this story because you know i read a lot of books you know and and i read a lot of articles you know and and most of the most of the stuff i tend to read for some reason or the other it tends to um deal with people in the west you know so i read a lot of things from the western western uh perspective you know so to have this story of um of rebuilding yourself from an african from an african person you know i think i even related to it more even though her story is more gory and more more um dark than anything i've personally 
experienced in my life, you know, till, you know, um, for, you know, for now, um, there, there was something that you can, you know, you can identify with, you know, so I identify, uh, so I, I encourage anyone who is interested in, you know, in learning how to, to rise up from an, an unfortunate situation to check out um, Terry Gobanga's um, article. I read this article on the BBC, but I know there's a lot of articles on her, like all over, all over the internet. So I encourage all of you um, to just, 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 just read about her. She's a phenomenal, phenomenal um, woman, amazing, amazing strength, you know. And uh, and I think you know she needs to, she needs to be celebrated for for what she's been able. Um, to overcome, and uh, I know I said this was the last thing I was going to talk about, but one more thing I want to mention. You know, a lot of people ask me um, where I, where I get my Africa news from. You know, what websites do I go to? How do I um, actually um, decide what things to talk about? And my answer to that is, um, it's a wide range of sources. You know, it's a uh, I, 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 I tend to read the BBC a lot. So I go on the BBC website. They, they have a comprehensive um, Africa section. You know, um, BBC has been doing a lot of work in Africa for many, many, many years. It's, it's interesting. Uh, the other day, uh, I got an email. The BBC is looking for a corresp- correspondence. They're looking for correspondence in Nigeria and Ghana who speak pidgin. So they are trying to expand their languages and get into a pidgin. So all the guys from Ghana that they speak pidgin, Charlie, if you want job, BBC they hire. So Charlie, your pidgin can be put to, can be put to good use. So Charlie, make you no slack. You guys for 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 try apply for this job. It's a BBC job speaking pidgin, based in Ghana, based in Nigeria. You get to travel around the country and document important stories. So, you you um, pigeon speakers, you know, get on this, get on this job. Um, it's a very cool opportunity. So, um, but yeah, I, I I back to what I was talking about. Um, BBC is great. Um, AfricanNews.com, and um, I'm on social media a lot, so I follow a lot of people, um, a lot of Africans on social media. To just to get firsthand information on what's going on in in, uh, in countries, and I'm just curious. I've always been a curious person. Um, I think it started when I was a kid. You know, my dad was always listening to the news, always listening to the news, and it it, it was almost a a relaxing thing for him. He comes home from work, um, he puts on his radio, and the news is on, and I'll be in the background, and and I could I could see the the joy, you know, he got from just be knowing what's going on um, in the world, and I think for me that's what it is too. I'm just curious. I want to know. I want to learn, and that's what I do. That's what Abe does, and uh, and that's why we present what we present to you um, each week. So, thank you for listening, Africa as we know it, episode seven. It's a wrap. And it's been Gerald here today. And uh, hopefully I'll be back next week with you 
and hopefully Abe will be here to join us again. So enjoy your week. Just uh, take good care of yourselves and and uh, see you next week.